Welcome. So excited to be with you guys all tonight. I am Pastor Daniel. For those who don't know me yet, I would love the privilege of getting to meet you. So if I don't know you, find me after service. Um, Welcome to all of you guys that are online as well. Glad to have you with us from wherever you are. Uh, I'm really excited about our topic tonight. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's a very needed topic. I don't know that I would call it a a topic I like, but it's a very, very needed topic. See, we're going to talk about worry, fear, anxiety, and depression. And that is a lot, but um, they all kind of merge and they, uh, they cover a lot together. And I was looking at this going, is, how big of an issue is this? And two years ago, it was a $13.69 billion a year industry. It was a larger industry than the NBA and Major League Baseball combined. Um, this is just a massive, massive industry. Um, industry. It's an industry because it's a massive, massive issue. This is, deal, this is something that's affecting so many people that you know, they're, they're working so hard trying to navigate it. But as I was looking, worry produces stress and leads to fear. Fear causes anxiety. Stress reduces serotonin, lowers the immune system. Medical research says that 90% of illnesses and diseases are stress-related. So I, as I was looking at this, I was going, okay, well, then learning how to, what to do with worry, stress, and anxiety isn't just like a good idea. It's a life-changing, even a life-saving idea. I'm like, this is something that we all need. And I know that there are those that are, are in the room or those that are watching online who are like, that's what I am dealing with every single day or it's what I'm dealing with this week. And then there are others who are like, just tell them to stop. Like, I don't know if you've ever been that person. You're like, they have these issues. And you're just like, well, yeah, stop. And that is good advice. Um, and in fact, I think all of them would like to take that advice. Um, 13, over $13 billion says they're trying. I don't think they're shelling out that money because they're like, I just love being depressed and worried. I just am so pleased with the... So if if they're spending this, they're trying, but somehow in spite of their trying, they're still stuck. And so I wanted to look going, well, what does the Bible say? How do we get unstuck? How do we live in a world where things can be crazy without being crushed under worry, anxiety, fear, or depression? Like, what can we do? And Jesus mentioned some of it uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. He goes through and he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And, and at first I'm like, okay, I, I feel like this is the stop. Like, well, yes, I know I want to stop, but how? And he goes, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Uh, as I was, actually this, this message came about because earlier this week, um, we, we do seven at sevens. If you're not familiar with those, every Monday through Friday, we do seven minutes of um, encouragement, confession, and prayer online. And then we go through and 
pray for any of the, the comments that came in that asked for prayer. And I was going through and I was praying with people on there and, and somebody typed in how they were already worried and losing sleep about something that was a month away. And I was like, well, that stinks. Like you're in your moment of like relief from the thing, but you're so worried about the thing that may be coming that you're missing out. And I just got looking and going, well, well, why? And it goes through saying that this isn't worth it. This isn't working. He says, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? And as I got thinking about this, um, a lot of you guys, if, you, if you've grown up in church, instead of telling them to stop worrying, you may have used the term or the verse, well, just cast your cares on Jesus. Has anyone ever heard, heard that, said that, read that? It's a great verse. It's powerful. We're going to use that verse tonight. But a lot of people will tell you this. I tried, but my worries were like a boomerang. You're like, I'm going to cast it on God. And they just pitch it out there and they're like, but it came back to me. And then I cast them away and then they came back to me. How do I, how do I cast these off? How do I get rid of these cares without getting rid of life? Like, because most of the time the things that you worry about are things you care about, right? You don't worry about destroying something that you put in the trash. You know, the, the goal was for it to be gone. But you, you worry about... Um, your finances, you worry about your family, you worry about health, you worry about things that are a big deal. So how do we not worry? How do we cast our cares on God and let him keep them with the things that we don't want to um, get rid of? We don't want to get rid of our children. We don't want to get rid of you know, our future. We want to move forward. Well, Philippians chapter 4 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And he starts out and he goes, okay, you're going to start. If you don't want to be anxious, the first thing you're going to do is to cast it onto God. And a lot of us are going, well, yeah, but don't they come back? And, and some of this goes through going, all right, he's going to lay out, and we're going to look at some of these principles of how to keep it there. Um, he goes, but when you... Instead of being anxious, when you give these to God, it says, then the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. In 1 Peter, it says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time you may, uh, he may exalt you, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I looked at that, and normally all you hear is cast your cares on God because he cares for you. But I noticed something. If you go back to the verse before it, it says, humble yourselves, therefore. One of the first things, if I want to cast my cares on God and to leave them there, is I have to realize God's bigger than me. He goes, humble yourself, if I think this is all about me and my skills, I'm going to be worried. Because now all of the pressure and all of the weight rests on me if I think it's about me. And that becomes a lot of weight that cripples a lot of people. I remember just talking to somebody and they're asking for prayer for this situation and I'm praying with them and there's simple steps that they should be taking and you're like, all right, we're praying. Are you taking these simple steps? And they just went through and we're like, 
But if I take that step, what if this happens and this happens and that doesn't work? So, so I, I haven't done anything. And they were so crippled by the worries and fears of what might be that they didn't do what they knew they should do. And my heart just broke for them. And you're like, we're going to pray because you can't go forward if you stay doing nothing. And, and so I looked and said, all right, so the, the first thing is recognizing that you can't do it on your own. The first thing is turning to God. The first thing is humbling yourself. So it's, it's the part that we go in prayer. It's the part where we go, God, I can't do this on my own. And a lot of you guys have said, well, you know what? Hey, I did that part. Remember, you know, it's this boomerang. I cast my cares on God. I prayed about this, but the worry came back to me. How is it that I keep it gone? And we're going to look at the role of your eyes and of your mouth. But in order to do this, you have to understand worry. What is worry? I don't know if you ever like, kind of like broke it down. But worry is the action of holding on to negative possibilities. When I hold on to every negative possibility that might occur, or any of them really, that's what's, what worry is. But the problem is that we don't even just worry about a negative possibility. Most of us, if we're getting worried, worry about like 20 negative possibilities that probably couldn't all simultaneously happen. It's like, I'm so worried we're not going to get to go camping. And I'm so worried that while we're camping, it's going to rain. And I'm so worried that while we're playing outside, this is going to happen. And you're like, do you realize that if you don't go, it doesn't matter? Like, these can't, none of these can happen at the same time. You have like mutually exclusive worries that cancel each other out. But we hold on to all of them and then we get overwhelmed. Because now there's like 50 scenarios that could happen. And we're like, I can't handle it. And you're like, it's, it's not even possible. But when I hold on to these negative possibilities, it becomes too much. When we get caught up in all of these different ones. And as I, I got looking, I'm going, so this is worry. So fear is negative faith. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Fear is the substance of things not wanted the evidence of things worried for. So worry is negative hope. See, when I have hope, I have a desire based on a possibility of something positive. When I'm taking on to worry, I am taking this um, unwanted disposition based on the fact that something could happen. And so when I hold on to that, then I begin to see that and it begins to affect my life in a negative way. Um, see, worry and faith both move your mouth, but in opposite directions. And the way that our mouth moves fills our heart and directs our life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. So let's look at the children of Israel because um, they lay this out for us pretty beautifully. So God's got this amazing plan for them. And so God gives them, says, I have a promised land for you. 
Now, the, the promised land, they had not received it yet, but they have this glorious promise that God has good things in store for them. They go from being in a mess, they go from being in Egypt, where they've been slaves, and so God delivers them out of Egypt. It's an amazing story, but for time's sake, we're not going to just park at that part of the story. So they, God delivers them out of Egypt. God delivers them from Egypt when Pharaoh decides to chase them. God takes care of them as they're crossing the, the desert there. And they come up to the promised land. And this is this great thing. Moses, their leader, sends in some spies to go check it out and kind of figure out what they're going to do, how they're going to do things. And they come back and they're like, man, the land is full of milk and honey. They got fruit Okay, they, it says they took like a cluster of grapes and they carried it between two men on a pole. Have you ever had trouble carrying a glus- cluster of grapes? I have not had trouble on my own. I did not need a pole for myself to carry. It's, I'm like, those grapes had to be ridiculous. I'm like, those had to be like some record-setting grapes. It's like... What are you going to have for breakfast? I'm going to have a grape. <laughs> but so they go through and they're like, man, this land, it's full of all of this great stuff. And these spies come back. But it said, um, says that they gave a bad report saying the land through which we've gone in as spies devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it were men of great stature. And they give this negative report. Well, when they gave this negative report, most, an overwhelming majority of most, all but two, latched on, I guess if you count Moses, it's all but three. But okay, they latched on to this negative report. And when they did, they begin to see it. They begin to worry. They begin to feel it. They begin to speak it. And all of a sudden, they're like, well, we can't go in. There's giants in there. It devours the people. Oh no. We'd be better off just dying in the desert. Could you have an idea how stupid that is? Let's just be real. Stop and break it down. I'm worried that if I go in and fight the inhabitants, I might die. So my solution? I should just die. To avoid the possibility of dying. So stupid. Logically. But how many of you realize that most of us have done that kind of thing? Where we sit here and we're like, this is so bad. We might go on vacation and it might rain and we would miss out on getting to play, so we'll just stay home. And miss out on getting to play. Like, you're like, what? But all the time, that's what worry does. But what, what happened as they begin to hold on to this and they begin to speak and they begin to complain and they begin to grumble. And when we grumble, when we complain about our future, we're sowing seeds of worry and doubt into our own future. And we're sowing seeds that we don't even want to reap a harvest on. And, he, and, and they go through this and they begin to complain and they begin to grumble. But except for two of them. Two of the guys, Numbers 13, verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. 
And, and he goes on and, and he says, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Okay, in this section, there's a couple of things that are just so powerful. Number one, the children of Israel latched on to a bad report. And when they did, that bad report began to grow inside them. I wish that I could like help you like never have a bad report, but that's not a thing. Um, and if you ever turn on the news, that is constantly a bad report. I don't care what channel, what paper, what spot, they all compete to give the most negative news. Like it's, it's this thing, but because it's not even about news, it's about money. They want ratings. And I don't care if you're like, I only watch right wing, left wing, whatever wing, like news you watch. They all want ratings. And so they're like, well, what do people watch? Well, if we freak them out, they'll watch. So these guys will freak you out and say, well, they're going to do this. And then these guys freak you out and say, well, they're going to do this. And, and they all just want to like gripe, complain, point fingers and give you a negative report. And if you let that be what fills your heart and overflows out of your mouth, then the future that you see is filled with worry, anxiety, depression, and negativity. But Josh and Caleb did something different because Josh and Caleb saw the same things that those others saw. But they did something different. When he, when he goes through, he goes, and he looks at the promises of the Lord. And he goes, you're looking at how tall they are, but I'm looking at what, what God said. He said that he would never leave us or forsake us. He said that he has given us the land. He said that he has given us the promise. He says that it's ours. And if God says that it's ours, then it's ours. We are more than able to go in because we will follow his direction and he will fulfill his promise. And, and he is so good. And this is true because it was true for him, but it's true for us. And what's, what's crazy is that the children of Israel... All of them that said, oh, we'd be better off dying in the desert. You know what happened? They died in the desert. You know, the two guys who were like, we are more than able. They went in. In fact, God says that they were still strong 40 years later. Their eyes had not dimmed. Their strength had not waned. And they went into the promised land ready to fight and take on giants as old men. No offense if you're over 80, but like that's... They were over 80. They were old, but they came in and said, oh, I'll take on the giants. I'll take the mountain. In fact, Caleb asked for the mountain with the giants. He's like, it'd be really easy to be like, well, woe is me. I'm going to get worried. The land that I wanted has big people. What am I going to do? And it, we can make fun there, but... Do you realize that sometimes the negative report comes from the news, but sometimes it comes from a doctor? Sometimes it comes from a principal? Sometimes it comes from someone in the office going through, going, hey, did you hear they're going to let go a third of the staff? And there's, there's all of these different 
reports. But if it's all about me, if my eyes are on me, then if the report comes that they're laying off a third, I'm sitting here trying to evaluate myself going, am I good enough? Am I going to stay? Oh no, what's going to happen to me? What if they let me go? And all of a sudden I have like this worry and this weight of can I perform at a level that I can stay? And and if I don't, what am I going to do? But if I switch and fix my eyes on Jesus and say that, oh, he said that he'd supply all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, all of a sudden I can look and go, you know what? God's favor is on me. I don't think they're going to lay me off. And if they do, God's going to provide something else and it'll be better. And all of a sudden there's still maybe a storm around me, but it doesn't need to shake me. Because when I cast my cares on him and when I begin to look at him, it begins to move my mouth and move my heart in a different direction and I become impervious to this storm. It's not that it's not there. It's not that things aren't around me, but it stops shaking me and I can begin to look at him as I cast my cares on him. Uh, I'm going to bounce in my notes here. Okay. Joshua learned a lesson from this. So in, in, in the story that we just went over, Joshua um, was leading the people, or I guess he was one of the spies. Now he's leading the people. Moses has passed away. 40 years have gone. He's going to head in. And Joshua chapter six, he's about to head into the, the, the promised land. And there's the first city that they're going to take on is Jericho. It's this massive city with huge walls. And God gives him the worst plan in history. If you're not familiar with the story, like an angel shows up to Josh and is like, hey, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Here's what you're going to do. Take all of the men of Israel. Like you can take your army and go march around the city. And then go back. The next day, go march around the city. And the next day, go march around the city. And you're like, you're going to do this for six days. And on the seventh day, you're going to march around seven times. And when you get to the end, everyone's going to yell. <laughs> and the walls will fall. Logically, right? So you, you look at this plan and you're like, this is honestly the stupidest plan in history. Yelling isn't going to knock the walls down. And whether or not we walk around, if this is lap number 13 or not, like doesn't really matter. Like how, why? So, remembering what happened 40 years earlier, this is what Joshua does. Now, Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout. Then you shall shout. He goes, If I let you talk, you guys are going to complain like crazy. You guys are going to go, what is Joshua thinking? This is the stupidest plan in the universe. This is never going to work. And he goes, if I let you do that, you will speak us out of victory. He goes, this key to our victory is going to be shut up. Like that was his plan. He's like, all right, everybody shut your mouth. If you can shut your mouth, we'll follow God's direction. This is going to happen. And I looked and thought, you know, Josh, I think you're on to something. I think a lot of us would have a whole lot less worry if we would learn to shut our mouth. If we would learn to stop repeating every negative thing that we hear. If we would stop just reciting every negative thing that the news said. Everything that the doctor, the principal, the boss said might possibly happen. If we would stop 
painting the, our future with these words. See, your tongue is the paintbrush of your heart. But your tongue paints the window that you look through. Here's a fun painting on a window. Everywhere I look, I see green. Pond, nice blue sky. If I come up to the light here, I look and it's, it looks sunshiny. There we go. Try to get it in the right spot here. See if you guys can see it all. But we've got a, there we go. It's the sun right there. But here, here's, here's the thing. Everywhere I look is sunshine. Everywhere I look, I, I see a beautiful woods. I see a beautiful pond. Or a storm. What picture am I painting? Because here's the thing. When I go to look at you, now I see a storm. And now if I'm going to paint, what do I see? You know what I'm going to be painting? A storm. So this becomes a cycle that I begin to speak and I begin to paint. But what I paint begins to be what I see because it's the lens that I'm looking through. So the more that I begin to paint it, the more of it that I begin to see. And it doesn't really matter what I'm looking at. It doesn't really matter what's out there because I'm looking through a lens. I'm looking through a filter and I'm creating that filter. And it creates a cycle. Um... It may be difficult for them, but can you get a sh water away? Can you take the camera and look at the screen above me here? Because you know what will happen? I don't know if you've ever done this before, where you take a camera and you look at the screen, and then in the screen you see the screen and see the screen and you see the screen and you see the screen and you see the screen. That's what happens. We take this and we begin to paint a picture. We begin to see something and we go, oh, this is, I think, what I see. And then I begin to paint it. And then I go, oh, look, now that's what I see. Now every time I look out my window, I see green and I see trees. And so then I'm going to paint more green and more trees and more of this and more and more and more and more and more and more and more. And it becomes a never-ending cycle of the same. Unless we choose to go, oh, I am going to choose my words and let my words line up with his words and let his words begin to fill me and I'm gonna to begin to speak his words because if I cast my cares and then I begin to speak all of my cares constantly, I am painting a picture. Okay, those are glass, I gotta not drop them. And I can begin to paint a picture that is all of my complaints and if I do, then that's gonna continue to be what I see and what I feel. But if I go through and go, no, 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 I am going to be blessed. I am going to walk in favor. God's hand is upon me. I am going to sleep sweetly. I am going to have peace. God's favor is on me. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. No weapon formed against me shall prosper because greater is in he who is in me than he who is in the world. And I begin to recite who God says I am. I begin to paint this. Then we can have victory. And it is. God is, God is so good. But we have a choice. Am I going to let his words fill me or am I going to let the world fill me? But so much of this is a cycle that we don't realize that our mouth is fueling. When we get in God's promises, 
We have to begin to speak it because it's so easy to come to church and to get in church and be like, yes, amen. And then to walk out of the church and to go, oh, it's just my luck. Probably going to happen to me. Laying people off. Guess I'm next. Wonder if I'll be able to get unemployment. Heard it's backed up. Probably not. It's so easy to get in that flow. And we live in a world that celebrates complaining. They compete. I don't know if you've ever heard this or participated in this, but people will compete in complaining. They'll sit here and they're like, dude, I had a bad day. And someone was like, really? I had a worse one. Like, what? They're like, yeah, well, I didn't get any sleep, man. I got like four hours of sleep. Yeah, I got two. You're like... And then they sit there and they go back and forth and it's like, well, oh yeah, this is bad in my life. Well, yeah, this is bad in mine. And they're sitting here going, who can paint the more storm clouds? And then they like look back at their life and they're like, wow, my life is miserable. And you're like, what did you think you were going to see? You painted a storm. And you looked for every negative thing and then you painted it to make sure that you saw that no matter where you looked. And I have people wonder, because... I tend to, uh, to not paint storm clouds. Um, and they go, well, wow, how come that you're, you're, you're not shaken by that? I'm like, well, because everywhere I look, I see sunshine. And they're like, yeah, didn't you see that there was a problem? I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a problem right there, but it's just behind the green tree. And they're like, but, 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 but this is a big deal. I'm like, mm, yeah, maybe, but it looks wonderful. And they're like, yeah, but do you realize that that was a bad medical diagnosis. Do you realize that, that someone broke something? Do you realize that your house flooded? Do you realize that? And you're like, well, yeah, but it's going to be okay. I'm like, we had like two days where we had our house, our, our basement flood, and we had, uh, my son broke his arm, and there's different things. And people are like, was well, it bad? You're like, no, like that was not fun. Like I, I would have rather it not, but it'll get fixed. It'll, we'll make it better. He's going to heal. And like you go through, and go, God's his healer, God's his redeemer. And you begin to go, well, this is the, this, I'm holding on to these promises. And so no longer, I have painted with this. So no longer does this problem over here become all that I see. Because I have begun to cycle these promises through my heart. And I begin to paint with them. So they begin to become the lens that I'm looking through, even no matter where it is that I look. And it doesn't mean that things will never go wrong. It doesn't mean that things will never be rough. But it means that that doesn't need to be what controls me. And someone stole a bunch of time. I just, what? <laughs> so, but, but it's with our words and with our eyes. Because you want to fix your eyes on Jesus. And when you do, it's part of this, the, this humble yourself, look to him. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Jesus, looking, the, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Where he looked gave him strength. He went through the absolute worst, but he looked ahead. And I wish I could promise you that nothing um, negative would happen, but I'd be a liar. 
but you can choose what you fill up on. And where you look determines what you see, even if what you see isn't real. I have a friend who's a magician, and it's amazing the things that he can do. And I asked him, I'm like, how on earth do you make things appear and disappear? Because I know there's no actual magic involved. He's like, you know, there's no magic. He's just like, he said, I know how to control where you look. And if I can control where you look, I can control what you see, even if what you see isn't real. And I'm like, but, but the pin was in your hand, and then it was not. <laughs> if I can control where you look, I can control what you see. And the enemy is trying to control where you look. Going, if he can control what you look at, if he can control where you look, then he can control what you see, even if it's not real. Even if it's not hopeless, he can make it seem it. But if you look at God's promises, if you fix your eyes on him, the author and finisher of our faith, then you'll be filled with hope, even when things aren't all going your way. See, because feelings flow from your heart, not from your circumstances. And a lot of times we think that we're a victim of the circumstances and that that's just what's going to control how we are and how we feel, but it's not true. See, what we, fill, what we pour into our heart is where they're going to flow from, not from what's happening around us. And it's why you can have two people in the same situation see things completely different. This morning, Pastor Duane mentioned um, King Saul and, and David. And if you don't know the story, it's a great one. You can go watch his message from this morning, 1130 service. It was amazing. But um, King Saul was big, strong. He was tall. He saw the giant. He looked at the giant and he trembled. David was not the king. He was not large. He saw the giant, same giant, but he saw the promises of God. And he responded differently. And you can go through 1 Samuel chapter 17 and you'll look. The king goes, this is what you are. This is what he is. You're not able. And David's response was, my God has saved me. He is not in covenant with God. And if he's not in covenant with God, he doesn't have the protection. He goes through. And when he stands in front of uh, Goliath, he says, I don't come at you with a sword and a spear, but in the name of the Lord God Almighty, whom you've defied. And he goes through and he goes, this is my promise. I'm standing on my promise. That's what I see. And that's what I'm going to see. It's so good because when we do it, it's going to happen for us too. We too can look and go, I don't need to be shaken by the things that are around me. I don't need to live in worry, anxiety, and fear because I can latch on to God's promises. God's promises are for me. And when, when I latch on to those, it begins to change what I see. Okay. <clears throat> I have a couple promises for you. So you are a child of God. You don't have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You have this 
The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. You are more than a conqueror through him. God is your healer and redeemer. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You get to resist the devil and he flees from you. Your prayers are powerful and effective. You cast your cares on God because he cares for you. You choose prayer instead of fear. You bring your requests with thanksgiving and God fills you with his peace. You are the head and not the tail. You are blessed coming in and going out. Everything you put your hand to is blessed. God is for you, who can be against you. Your home is filled with love, grace, and peace from the Lord God Almighty. As you fix your eyes on him, fix your eyes on him and let it move your mouth. When you begin to speak it out, you begin to go, you know what? My world is going to be seen through the promises of God. And when I do, that's going to change what I see. It's going to change how I feel because my feelings are not based on my circumstances. My feelings overflow from my heart and I get to choose what goes into my heart. I can choose what reports make it in there. And when I do, it's going to change. It's going to affect and I'm going to look through that lens everywhere I go. And you don't need to live controlled by worry, anxiety, and fear. And as I say this, there's some that go, you know what? I, I don't know that God. I've not received those promises. One of the, the most important promise, Romans chapter 10, verse 13, says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. As we, we, we talk about all these promises, I, it would be a miss if I didn't bring that one up and give everybody an opportunity to say, you know what? I want to respond. I want him in my life. I want him in my heart. I want to know that my sins are forgiven, that I'm right with God. Can everyone bow their heads and close your eyes? Today, whether you're here or online, if you're today, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to know that I'm right with him and on my way to heaven. I want to receive that promise. When I say three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, get ready. You can know that your sins are forgiven. Two, three, raise them up. Say, that's me. Awesome. Who else says that's me? I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Awesome. Awesome. Who else? Another one? Awesome. All right. We're going to say a simple prayer. Uh, if you're online, you can just type it in the chat. Say, that's me. Uh, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to call on God's name. He's going to do what he promised. So go ahead, whether you've done this before or whether you, today you're making this decision that you're going to make Jesus your Lord, that you're going to live for him, that you're going to receive his forgiveness, then repeat after me. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Even when I make mistakes, I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for washing my sins away. I choose to live for you from this day forward. I declare that you are my Lord in Jesus' name. Amen.